And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And we are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and uh, Wednesdays at 9 a.m. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com, and uh, we are also podcasting at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. I try to get all of those in there because there are so many of them, and there are more. I don't even have the all of those, but they're, we're all over the place. And I also thank those of you who have been reposting our interviews. I greatly appreciate that. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're also on uh, YouTube. That's right, we have a video channel. YouTube uh, channel, uh, Richard Dugan, Tell Me Your Story. We hope that you will uh, look into that and uh, uh, subscribe, uh, get notified every time I post a new interview. Also encourage you to take time, spend time going within and listening to that still small voice. Uh, very, very important any time of the year that uh, we encourage you to do that, to uh, sit quietly. Uh, one of my guests has say, actually said, even if it's just for a minute, 60 seconds, okay? And then you can expand on that. And listen to and follow, listen and follow, two things, the promptings of that still small voice. We also ask that if you can support us financially, we would be gratefully appreciative. We have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And all you have to do when you go to send, they're going to ask you for an email address. Well, it's Richard at RichardDugan.com. That's Richard at RichardDugan.com. With all that being said, we are now going to jump into our guest and the topic for today, which has to do, as has been the case on many programs, the subject of writing. But in this case, spiritual writing, and we're going to do it uh, from a, with a woman who has been doing this for quite some time. We're going to find out about her process, her techniques, and what she's going to share with us uh, from inspiration to publication. Uh, it is called Spiritual Writing, From Inspiration to Publication. It's the second edition. And Deborah Herman, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's really a pleasure to have you here on the oh, program. Yeah, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Um, I, I've heard the very first uh, thing that is said to uh, most want-to-be writers is, write! Just write! But that's sometimes easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah, it is because of all of the messages that we've internalized uh, that cause us to want to look outside ourselves for validation. So we're, if we're wanting to write for the process of writing, which in my opinion connects us to our higher selves and our deepest truth, uh, then we need to just do that without thinking about who's going to be reading it and if we're gonna get it published. That's a certain type of writing. If we are mission driven and we wanna write for publication, we need to use both sides of our brain and think about how uh, how we're going to ultimately prepare our writing for an, an end reader or someone who may want to publish it for us. So it's uh, it's not an easy task, but if you've got that fire in the belly and that motivation, then you're going to need to do it. 
because it'll keep tapping at the door. Well, I will tell you that <laughs> we try to stay away from the words like fire and heat, especially here in California. Oh. But in this case, but in this case, it's perfectly appropriate uh, to have that. I know that uh, as a kid growing up and then when I got into photography class, uh, but more so in high school, uh, my Southwest literature uh, instructor, his name was Mr. Miller. I think his first name was Ron. He was a great inspiration in that regard. And I wrote quite a number of short stories that I got some pretty high marks on. I was very pleased. And some notations saying, you know, you should expand on this. And boy, this might make uh, for a good uh, miniseries or a short movie or something like that. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, but then as I got older, I started keeping a journal. And one day on the computer, I started... Uh, typing my very first word processing document and I've labeled it and I still have that file and it's called first because the first word processing program I ever used was called first choice interestingly enough because of the fact that we promote choices and knowledge of those choices to help make our make uh, people's dreams come true so I just started putting stuff down there, things that I was thinking about and so on and so forth. And now I'm working on another book, or I should say I'm working on my first, which is called Choices. But, mm -hmm. uh, Deborah, I, I, I don't know whether this is good or bad. <laughs> Maybe neither. I've been working on it since the inspiration hit me in uh, 2021. I'm sorry, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. 2001. Well, why would that be something bad? You know, what you're doing is very much in line with what I talk about in the book, which is the spiritual path and the writer's path. And we are not separate from those two things. Our spiritual path is, is what's constantly causing us and pushing us forward in our growth and growing our soul. And I talk about seven lessons that I believe are are the cosmic curriculum, so to speak, of why we're here and, and what we're going to experience. So your writing is growing with you and helping you to connect to that truth and that higher self. And sometimes things are just not meant to reach their pinnacle or come to fruition until it's divine timing. And I wrote this book, um, you know, it's, you've mentioned it's a second edition. I wrote the first edition in, in 2002 and for very specific reasons. Um, one of the reasons um, was that the literary agents and editors didn't know what to do with the so-called esoteric, spiritual, new age, whatever you want to call it. Uh, mm -hmm. Even, even, um, uh, Christian lifestyle. They didn't know what to do with this material. If you were mentioning God or anything of the like, um, they just did not consider it mainstream. And yet they were receiving a lot of this material because people's souls were stirring. So I wrote the book to because I had already been in publishing and understood, you know, you, you have your creativity and your spiritual path but there's, there are protocols in order to, to be able to succeed. So I wrote it. And one of the things that I said again in the second edition is don't write to a literary agent saying, God told me to write it, even mm. if God told you to write it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you're dealing, you're straddling a fence 
of this business and then of of what's in your soul and what your calling is and there may very well be people who need what you have to say and your job is to figure how to reach them while navigating you know there's traditional publishing and then there there are opportunities of non-traditional publishing and that's your job is to figure out how to be available for the people who need what you have to say mm. so you know just to respond to your question about well it's taking so long it i just was one day got a you know a tap on the head it's time to rewrite this book so if you're in tune with that sense of divine timing, you know it's not the same thing as as our linear linear world. No, absolutely not. And of course, I've heard that phrase many, many times in relation to other things: divine right timing. Yeah, uh, and uh, it. I mean, I I I used it uh, back in 2006 when I and my wife both lost our jobs, and we were trying to decide what are we going to do now. And we decided to move to Santa Barbara. And that's why I'm here. Not a bad choice. <laughs> no, not too bad. My biggest concern was that I needed to get to the ocean. I didn't care what coastline it was. Well, I did. I didn't want to go someplace where it was going to be hot. Uh, and it gets a little warm here sometimes. But overall, it's very pleasant. But I needed to get to the ocean. Santa Barbara? I never would have thought. But I will tell you, 16 and a half years later... After hearing over and over again, it's one of the most expensive places to live in the world. It's like, I'm living in one of the most expensive places to live in the world. Not bad for a guy who's uh, probably making uh, uh, 20, 25 bucks an hour, uh, you know, <clears throat> and, and uh, uh, still going strong. When you sit down with someone, because this is part of what this book is about, uh, spiritual writing from inspiration to publication. Uh, are you usually talking with people who have an idea, they've already started it, or they know they want to write something, but they can't figure out what? I wrote the book for people at all levels of that experience. There are people who have been writing um, and maybe they've been published but times are changing. So they need to grow with the changing uh, landscape of publishing. And there are people who don't know a thing about where to start and they can, you know, they can gain that insight and uh, uh, as if they're getting a whole education on publishing, I put everything in this book, you know, all 30 years and 13 books worth and being an agent and being a publisher and a marketer, all of that, it's all in there. But as far as my interacting with people, if I'm doing an interview or even if it's a one-on-one -on -one, um, consultation, I, I start with what is your goal and why are you, why do you want to write this book? And it helps create a blueprint and it also helps me understand where they're coming from and you know the seven lessons of soul odyssey as i relate them to writers is all about how to be a good messenger and how to bring in energy from the universe or what i call you know also source or god how to bring in pure energy 
so that you are a messenger of a higher of of um, a higher level without totally infusing your ego into the writing because that's what creates this disconnect if someone comes to me and they they say well i'm going to write a book about this subject because there's a lot of books about that subject and i want to be you know i want to be famous or i want to be this is a good way to make money or it's a great career if they have those kinds of expectations i know that they haven't connected to their higher self or their inner self and they're not coming from a place of of passion and it doesn't mean that they have to be clear on what they want to write about. They don't necessarily need to be at the level of craft that will be required for them to be successful. But it's it, it's almost indescribable. It's where their soul is. Mm. And, and that's something that's very important. And writers need to be clear with themselves. Why am I doing this? Yeah. And what is my goal? So... That's where I would begin with anybody. Deborah Herman is my guest, and you folks are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we're talking about uh, spiritual writing. Deborah Herman, author thereof, tell us a little bit about the soul's journey and and writing from that space. Uh, I mean, growing up, there were authors that I read and even authors I've had the great pleasure of interviewing. One in particular, dear friend who says, sadly since passed away, Og Mandino, who wrote the, the oh, title. Oh, yes. Yeah, Greatest Miracle in the World. Now, that book was uh, the catalyst to my first marriage. And um, I still have the reel-to-reels of that audio. Uh, I haven't listened to it in a long time. But it actually played the week of Christmas that year with the final ch- uh, part, chapter, uh, part four, playing on Christmas Eve. And uh, for me, it was really significant because it was not the first book I had recorded, but it was the first book that other people had an opportunity to listen to. It was for a radio reading service for the blind and visually impaired that I was working for. And I was also a client thereof, too. And um, it was a wonderful experience to record because I really got into the story and it made me start thinking about a lot of the things that were brought up in that particular book. I've also recorded, uh, and this was primarily for my first wife, I recorded, I think, um, Gerald Jampolsky's Love is Letting Go of Fear, James Redfield's. These are all very, very, very classic um, books that I recommend for people starting on their spiritual path. Um, I love uh, the book um, Illusions by Richard Bach. Oh, yes. Um, You know, that's that's a classic. You know, people think that I've read everything and i have not read everything you <laughs> Neither know <am> I. <laughs> when when you're on a spiritual path uh, when you are aware you're on a spiritual path and I, and in this book i i go a lot more deeply into my own experience and and how i was somewhat awakened into acknowledging that the path i thought i was on is not the path i'm on mm-hmm. um and then eventually i received the so-called download of the seven lessons um but uh, you you get what you need when you need it. Yeah. And uh, to keep opening up to these um, greater understandings. And I, I 
was writing down, uh, it may be best if you will allow me absolutely um, to explain the seven lessons by doing your seven lessons. All right. So explain it to us, Deborah. <laughs> okay. The seven lessons of Soul Odyssey are um, courage, tolerance, self-protection, self-love, ego, love of humanity, and God love. And each person, even if some of us believe that there are people who come into the world, if you believe in reincarnation, that they come into this world and maybe they were already fine and they had learned everything and, you know, they they didn't have to come here to learn anything, but they came, they chose to come here to help. Well, if you come into this world as a human being, you don't remain in a state of perfection. <laughs> you have to learn everything over again because you have to have the compassion and empathy of the human experience. I hope that makes sense. So even the most um, supposedly advanced souls or whatever have to go through these, these human challenges and they are what the universe provides to us so that we can keep refining and purifying um, their vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. That's what they really are. And if you're going to have circumstances that happen over and over again, just like you talk about choices, you may not be able to prevent the lessons. But if you're aware that you have vulnerabilities, then you could step back and say, hmm, how could I do that differently? Or what is it I need to learn from this particular situation? Because everything that happens really is for the good. Mm -hmm. We don't see it that way. And quite often we are struggling, we are suffering, but it's, it's to make us better and for us to move away from these vulnerabilities. Because if you are a shining light and there also exists a not so shining light mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's a, a world of duality and balance, the not so shining light would love to shut off your light. Is <laughs> mm. that you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do hear what you're saying. Yes. Okay, let me let me. I don't mean to speak in riddles, but um, <laughs> it's okay. But it is a riddle. But to say it differently, if you believe that there that there is light and there is darkness, and it's and this world is kind of a battle between the two. If the darkness doesn't want you to shine your light and make this a better world, because right now the battle is between fear and love, you know, mm -hmm. where if we are living in fear, we are not living in love. If we are living in fear, we are not living in faith. And if we are living in hopelessness, we are also not rising, raising the vibration of our world because we're not living to our fullest in faith and in love. So that's, that's the bottom line of the seven lessons. Now, I do what's called automatic writing. I don't recommend this for someone that you just dabble. It took me a long time to do this safely. You always need psychic protection. You need to pray. You need to make sure what you're getting is from source. And that's a show for another day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've been doing this a long time. 
We're talking with Deborah Herman, and we're talking about the latest work of hers having to do with your writing, and it is called, oh, I got a little chill there. Uh, it's called <laughs> Spiritual Writing uh, from Inspiration to Publication, and you're listening and, to tell me. Thank to you, what do you ascribe the chill? I don't know. I got a little tickle in my ear. We'll talk about that as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I got a little chill just before uh, we uh, pause there for a moment. Uh, it's very interesting. Sometimes I'll, I'll get a, a, a burr, cold chill. And uh, now some people would say, oh, somebody's walking over your grave. Well, but they no. can't be because I'm still alive, people. That's impossible. Uh, I think maybe sometimes maybe it's uh, I'm touching upon something that uh, is of import uh, to to myself or someone is touching upon some import to myself. You got the chill when I was doing your soul progression. Yeah. I want to ask you a quick question, though, in that regard. Um, when I would journal, handwrite, OK, I'd get these blank books and I started journaling at the age of 21 and I still have all those journals. I have multiple books. Um. I really had to consciously keep myself from editing as I wrote. In other words, oh gosh, what if somebody finds this and reads this and thus and such and then and, and so forth? Oh my gosh, you just gave me the greatest segue to your seven lessons. <laughs> because now this is a snapshot and you know, I'm sure we could go a lot more deeply into all of the seven lessons, but the one that is flagged as one that you are working on over and over and over is self-love. And this may, you know, you may say, oh, I've worked on it. I'm fine. I'm happy. But it's deep. It's spiritual. It has to do with a sense of worthiness. Yeah. And that's going to always be the Achilles heel of you know, am I good enough? Mm. And so your story of worrying about these secret journals that someone's going to find them and read them and judge you, it, this is this is something to pay attention to, especially as you embark on your writing path and continue your writing path, is to stand in your truth and to know that even though you can love God or love other people, that you are worthy just as they are and loved unconditionally. Now, another aspect of that is allowing people to do things for you. People who struggle with this self-love lesson are, are often feeling that if they let people do for them, that they are being a burden. And, mm. you, okay, yeah. so you need to reframe that to where you are allowing other people to do a good deed and to show you love. And it takes nothing away from them. It gives to them by allowing yourself to receive love. And you mentioned Jampolsky. A lot of that is in the Jampolsky material. Yeah. So you're been, you've been following, your, you're very astute and following your path without you being aware that, that maybe you were aware. But now you get it in your face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell it you that self-love. Yeah, I, I have always felt that I've been in the right place at the right time pretty much throughout my career, which started when I was 19. You know, in spite of one year, 2020, uh, 2000, the year 2000, I was laid off four times. 
The first well, two, you were being pushed somewhere else. Yeah. And the first two times, it's funny because I applied for unemployment two times. Now, you don't get anything for the first two weeks. And within those first two weeks, I found the next job. And I, then I got laid off from that and I filed again. So the third time I, I, got a, I got the job and then I was laid off, I said, there's no point in filing a third time because I'll be getting another job within a couple of weeks here. And I did. Um, but it, it was That's wonderful. Yeah. I, I, I think one of the things that I, I struggle, I don't want to say I struggle with, but it's a challenge when wanting to pass on this information to other people. And I can't, you know, and you, I know, I know as well as you do, you can't force people. You know, you, you give them the advice, but they're going to do with it what they're going to do with it. And uh, so I try not to, to, to step into that realm of uh, uh, saying, well, no, but you, no, don't do that. You should be doing and uh, because now that's, that's not my life. Actually, that's not my life. But that's actually the tolerance lesson, which it shows that you've worked through. Yeah. Tolerance is when you've had an epiphany and you believe that you've connected to some type of truth, you want everyone to feel that sense of connectedness to source or you want, but there's a point at which you realize that you can just stand in, in place as an example. And if someone wants what you have, they'll ask you for it. And, and it comes even in parenting, you know, when we parent our children, we need to realize they are part of us, but they are not us. Yeah. And, you know, we want to say, well, I went through that already. You went through it because you had to, to grow your soul, but you can't, you can guide, but you can't prevent other people from following their paths. And, and to be honest, they have a right to be wrong. If, if it is wrong, yeah. you know, whatever is your truth, you know, they've got to find their truth. So, you know, that it's, it's great that you brought that up, but that's something that it shows on your soul progression chart that you've worked through and have a, an understanding. And you may have had to learn that by bumping into people who weren't going to listen to what you had to say <laughs> well, and then realizing, th- Hey, that's just not going to work. But there's an, but there's another important mm-hmm. thing in what you've asked me. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't put a universe in a jar and spiritual writers often feel so called. And so there's an anxiety that goes along with feeling that you have this important thing to convey. Just know Mm. that we are all connected and we're cogs in a very, very big wheel and the universe and God and source and guides and whomever you, you believe um, there's it's, it's not completely random. And when you have that spark to provide what it is you need to say, you're going to be able to do it and you can't blow it. Yeah. You can, you know, you can feel like it, but don't put on your shoulders an entire universe because that's, what's going to paralyze you when you go to write your book. Well, I can also tell you too, that I've gotten to the point in doing this program for over 15 years. Well, all, well, we're in the 15th year actually, uh, but interviewing for over 43 years, I've gotten to the point now where uh, the people who, need to hear what's being said by the guest and by myself too. They're the ones that are going to be <laughs> yeah, don't listening. Don't dis- discount that. No, no, no. no I, I won't discount <laughs> that. But 
they're going to be listening. And yes. those who have no interest whatsoever and so forth, they're not going to be listening. And so even if it's just one person, and, and uh, uh, I think that that's one of the, the aspects I think that a lot of folks, they miss in what they do is, I should be making a bigger difference in the world and this and that and the other. Uh, I know that my wife, when she was working for the local um, clinic, cardiology department uh, clinic, uh, she was, and, and back in Phoenix as well, when she worked for Mayo and several others, uh, she was always concerned about having any kind of an impact. And um, she actually uh, facilitated some of the diagnostics with some very, very prominent people. And we are talking about high-level um, politicians. Uh, matter of fact, the highest, okay? And I said, I would always remind her, I said, you don't know the difference you're making. They may come in there just the grumpiest Gus you'd ever seen and just just, just like the Grinch who stole Christmas. And with your demeanor and the way that you are parent or a patient-oriented, you're going to turn, if I can coin, I, I, I'll flip the phrase, you know, turn their frown upside down. Um, <laughs> they're going to go into the office and they're going to have a whole different demeanor when they get in there that they may have been planning on doing this pretty horrendous thing over here through that frustration. Exactly. And then exactly. they bring that into the meeting, let's say, and it turns everybody's world upside down. Matter of fact, I was, um, where was I? I was in a uh, Starbucks coming to work this morning. And there was a guy who was wearing a very colorful sweater. That actually, I think it looked like it had like uh, around the, the, the chest area and the back looked like the Ghostbusters. But it was really, I thought it was a very cool looking sweater with the colors. And so as I get my drink and I'm heading out the door, I just turn to him and I, I put my hand on his shoulder. I says, I have to tell you, I really like that sweater. It looks really cool. And he just looked at me and smiled and laughed. and said, well, thank you very much. And then I, of course, went on my way. I don't know if he was in any state that he needed to be lifted from. But I liked the sweater and I thought, what's it going to hurt if I tell him I like the sweater? It might be one of those ugly sweaters. Uh, you know, th those you know are we are so afraid now as people to just be human with yeah. other people. We're each a universe mm -hmm. and you really don't know what little thing, just like what you're saying, what little thing is going to influence someone else i mean you don't know you that's why you have to follow that that as you were saying in the very beginning follow that inner voice mm -hmm. and don't be so resistant sometimes i'll be maybe in traffic and i'll say and i'll get sidetracked or detoured or held up and invariably you know you're held in traffic and and you know, you're like, oh, grumble, grumble. And then you see you just missed a big accident if it had been five minutes earlier. Mm -hmm. So we try so hard to control everything. Yeah. And it and it's not that you don't want to live in reality and in practicality. But if we're too rigid, we can't hear we can't hear the messages and we can't see the signs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we always need to leave a little bit of room for the signs so that our our otherworldly helpers yeah. can. Because it's like 
I, I've said this before. It's like the prime directive in Star Trek. Ah, yes. Right? They can help, by by, but they can't interfere. Right. And it's the same thing I as I visualize um, our spirit guides, our guardians, our angels, God. You know, God, God could, but God chooses to give us this world and our free will to make the right choice or the wrong choice. The, and, I, and I don't see it in, unless it's something really awful and evil and deviant or whatever. <laughs> I, I usually see things as as a good choice and then a miss take, which is going to lead you into a path where you're going to get hit by a two by four because you didn't learn the lesson. So it's it's a lot more benign, at least my point of view is a lot more benign that we're just always being guided, you know, back toward this place of of um, of assistance so that we can continue to grow. Yeah. And and, you know, we're not and, and to be better yeah. and to do more for other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Deborah Herman, my guest here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you for joining us, folks. Deborah Herman, my guest, and we're talking about uh, her latest work, uh, second edition, if you will, of uh, spiritual writing from inspiration to publication. And it's really a pleasure to have you here. And we've been talking about these instances where we're kind of led uh, to, to do things. Uh, and I was led back in August of 2022, I was led to audition for, never done it before, not not in this context, a, um, a performance of an org a group, and it's nationwide apparently, but every community has its own. Uh, they call them the Santa Barbara Revels. Now, uh, I'd heard about them for years since I moved here. I wasn't aware of them in Phoenix. There may be a group there, but I don't know of it. Anyway, I was uh, told, you know, you ought to go try out for the chorus for this year's Scottish Solstice Celebration performance that's going to be at our Libero Theater. Holds about 600 people. I, I thought, Is that tonight? No, no. It was actually, uh, as of our conversation, it was, yeah, right. Last weekend, this past weekend, uh, we had four performances. And um, I thought, well, you know, and this was August. And I thought, oh, 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 what the heck? I, they probably won't pick me because... You know, and I may not have the time and this and that and the other thing. And so I go and audition and uh, I was I was selected. And I thought, OK, well, kind of cool, you know, and I was asked if uh, I would you know, be interested in doing any acting. I said, well, because, you know, I, I ch I'm challenged with memorizing stuff. Now, obviously, I can because there are a lot of songs of my favorite artists that I have memorized there in my head. So obviously I can. Yeah, and it gets harder. <laughs> and it gets harder when you're having to speak them. Yeah, so, when I think about uh, how I was as a as a young woman and and the way I am now, oh, yes, yeah, cue cards. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to give me cue cards. But I decided to do it, and uh, I didn't read the fine print at the bottom of the piece of paper they gave me that said that uh, you're going to have a major commitment the last week prior to the live audience performances, and uh, yeah, it was pretty horrendous. I had uh, rehearsal every night from Monday through Friday, and then the performance is Friday, Saturday. There was a double uh, performance, and then Sunday. And I never felt like I was in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Uh, I was very welcomed. I never felt nervous up on stage because I had all these other people around me 
uh, to support me as I am there to support them, even though I'm a novice. You know, I'm new at this. It was one of the most wonderful experiences uh, that, that I, can, I can recall, with the, the exception of doing these programs, of, of interviewing folks such as yourself and talking about the work that you're doing. But I followed that, that, that voice uh, that said... And I would, I would add to that, based on what I did for you as your soul progression, mm -hmm. that you were guided to that by the voice as another opportunity for you to work through any issues around self-love yeah. because maybe in your past there have been places where you didn't feel accepted maybe you felt that you were different or i mean everybody we, depending on your particular path you know so many of us feel that way and here you followed and did this and were totally accepted. And and that experience and joy was really a, a, a type of love. Yeah. And so instead of the lessons always being a negative circumstance, you know, sometimes if we allow these lessons come in positive circumstances to reinforce to us, no, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm worthy. And so I'm very happy that you chose to do that. And I hope you'll continue well, <laughs> to have certain situations that completely reinforce that love. Well, I, I, would, I would certainly look at it as a possible opportunity in the future based upon the amount of time that was required. Uh, it, you know, again, it took, it, it took a lot of time, uh, especially the final week. Uh, but uh, one of the most amazing things about that experience, as was shared with shared with me by people who had been a part of this for many, three, four, five, six, nine years, uh, was most of the groups, they have two weeks in the theater. We had four days. That's it. And yet we pulled it off and the people who had been involved in it for many years in the group email that was sent out following, they said, I've been involved for X number of years. This was the best, most loving, most supportive, most enthusiastic and exciting cast that I have ever been a part of. And I'm thinking, wow. You know, there's a part of me that goes, how did I become a part of that? That's very but cool. But that's exactly yeah. what yeah. is expected of you yeah. for dealing with that lesson. Yeah. Can That's we talk exactly the response? Yeah. Can we talk what? about Me? some of the the other seven uh, of these elements in? And again, I know you're focusing on me, but let's let's talk no, about no, some it's of the just others. That it's easy to yeah, <laughs> because then I can get some validation from Absolutely. someone saying yeah, Absolutely. yeah, that sounds sure. right. Um, the biggest lesson that I uh, am very concerned about, and I stress in the spiritual writing book, um, well, courage has to do with um, the courage to accept that your truth could be truth, mm -hmm. you know, because we often are, are raised in very uh, rigid environments that feed us reality, and we may differ from that. Um, and so that's a spiritual lesson, because if, if we are each unique and we each have a specific mission, if we want to go along with what everybody else tells us, even if our inner self says, no, that's not right, then we are not 
fulfilling our path. Mm. And then we talked about tolerance and self-love. Um, self-protection is a very, very important lesson, particularly for writers, because we are we tend to be creatives. Now, on a very practical level, there are many, many um, companies that look at people who want to write books as, oh, it's such a glamour field. What a great market. And they'll give you things or sell you things that won't get you any further toward your goal. So I recommend that you, you know, of course, I've tried to provide as much as I can in this book so you at least know the right questions to ask. Mm -hmm. And so that's a very tangible self-protection. But it's also about who to trust and who not to trust. And we can speak also, but I think it's beyond what we can talk about here, metaphysically, you know, energetically protecting yourself psychically and, and um, you know, and, and putting a, a protective bubble around yourself. Right. Um, but just in terms of human interaction, um, you know, it's kind of difficult when a lot of people just downright lie. Yeah. So, you know, it, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. Um, well, it, it raises an interesting thought that just came to me in regards to protecting oneself. And this was actually taught to me by my acting coach uh, back in Phoenix. Um, when we would do scenes in class, especially ones where there were there was anger and frustration and so forth, and you were to yell at the at the other participant in the in the scene, she always had you go to that person and ask permission to, even though it was acting, even though they knew it was part of the play or whatever. Uh, can I have your permission to, quote unquote, attack you verbally? And they could say no, and then you might choose somebody else. But usually they, they would always, and, and I would assume that it's probably implied by the professionals, like in Hollywood. And I thought, that's a very interesting technique that you're actually asking the other person. Now, we can't do that as writers to the reader saying, um, you know, uh, you need to ask my permission before you can run a critique or be be a critic, you know, and and bash me. You know, we, they don't ask permission; they just write it. So now you're talking about self protection. You, as a writer, yeah, need to develop thick enough skin and an acceptance. Yeah. Now, of course, you need to be professional if your book is badly edited or badly written, and you don't take every step that you can to make it as 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 great as it can be mm -hmm. you're going to open yourself up to very legitimate criticism right. but there are just haters yeah and you know you develop thick skin um otherwise you're not being true to yourself and to what it is that that you want to create yeah. um and i like that idea especially with acting when you know method acting the actor themselves are, you know, they're becoming someone else. Yeah. And you need a certain level of emotional protection for that as well. So, you know, what what I think is useful in that exercise of asking permission of the other person in the scene is it also makes you consciously aware that I am acting, you mm -hmm. know, so that you still maintain that connection to reality and because there have been actors who have been unable to get out of character 
And they take mm. so much out of themselves emotionally without maintaining that. It's like the silver thread that people talk about when they talk about out-of-body experiences. Right. You need that silver thread that's going to bring you back into who you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's that's really that's really excellent. I want to uh, I want to touch on an example. I want to touch on the the subject of courage here in just a moment, but I have to go sidebar here. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are not watching the video, then you're going to miss out on what I'm about to uh, bring up uh, in the context of this conversation. You are wearing nail polish that matches the color of your book. Is that intentional? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. I thought so. Oh, yes. Very <laughs> intentional. <laughs> I, I mean, and what is that color blue? Could you have a name for it? I don't, I'd have to look at the nail polish, okay. um, but it's, for me, it's like a powder blue. Yeah, it's very you pretty, know? very nice. I wouldn't mind repainting my truck that color. That's <laughs> I know, very I really nice. love it. Let's, I've seen some vehicles lately that, that have that powder blue and it's really, really beautiful. It really is. I, you know, I, we, we don't probably have too much time to talk about it, but, you know, I, I wanted to show you that the reason I'd be willing to paint my nails this color is that I do this, um, you know, this energy art. Oh, my God. You have got to be kidding. Why am I saying this? I draw a lot of the same kinds of things uh, in a similar drawing pad and what have you. I will create an outer border yes an outer border then i will make the lines mine are usually straight and have squares and diagonals and rectangles and, and all this kind of stuff and then i color in the spaces just like you've done and i always make sure that i never put two similar colors next to each other so that it, it makes interesting a, there's got to be something wow. to this you know wow. now i do it as an as automatic drawing that um, is and cool you know, they're all one yes, line. Yes, yes. You've been stealing my 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 drawing books. <laughs> hey, you know, great minds think alike. Um, but it's, oh, that's it's beautiful. Done, it's done quickly and with. Um, I'm so glad I thought to show it to you. It's um, oh. you know, it's just done. The pen does it. It's automatic drawing, and I didn't realize that it's a real thing. That the surrealists. Um, like uh, Miro, um, that's what they were doing. They were tapping into the subconscious to let go of the intellect to allow this this pure shape, art, oh. abstraction, and energy come through the art. So that's what you've been doing. Oh, my you, heavens. You didn't even know it. I, I do you want to see it done with one line? Go for it. And she's going to do this. Obviously, you're going to have to go to our YouTube channel. You go ahead. You go ahead. I'm just going to talk while you're drawing. Uh, and uh, she is drawing. Uh, and you need to go to the YouTube channel to, to see to watch this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and she's going around uh, and drawing across the page, making lines. She's not even lifting the pen, which is what I do as well, where I just go jing, 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 bouncing around like a, a pinball inside a pinball game. And, uh, and then she goes through the process of coloring those in, which uh, we won't certainly have time for. And then she'll do some curved lines as well as straight lines and just allowing so herself to be. matches up. Yeah. Oh, my heavens. Look at that. And it that all is, matches up. It's one line. There is symmetry in that. I can yes. see the symmetry in that. 
and, and the I balance. Can't really, I mean, I probably could do it freehand because I am, you know, yeah. but I can't really do this freehand. That's extraordinary. It, it's done just with the the pen, and it's a. But I didn't realize it was a thing. It's like a meditation for me because yeah. I can get slightly stressed out on occasion. Oh, I can't understand why. <laughs> Living. A little too many things going on. Um, and I've raised three children and I have dogs and a husband. And, you know, so life, life, life is, is, um, is often relieved by the process of, of creativity. Um, I do want to mention, if it's okay, Please. one last um, important lesson um, that uh, spiritual writers, writers and people on a spiritual path need to uh, be aware of, and that's the ego lesson. Now, many traditions have their definition of ego. For me, it, if you are asking to be a messenger and to bring something into this world creatively, it, it, you are going to be initiated, tested, given lessons to make sure that instead of being uh, a messenger, instead of wanting to be a messenger, you may want to be the message. And you'll see that uh, I happen to be somewhat of a cult expert. I've done some books mm -hmm. uh, on the subject and I've, um, you know, been in documentaries and it, it, it was happenstance. But the commonality is that there are people who may be very gifted and their heart is in the right place and they're charismatic, but then something switches where they're either megalomaniac psychopaths or this, this negative voice tells them you don't need to serve God or serve humanity, they should serve you. Um. And that's where you know, and, and even on a very minor scale, if you want to be a servant and you and you want to bring energy and consciousness and light into the world, it's going to have to yeah. be as a pure vessel and you've got to keep your ego out of the way. I so am, that's a really important yeah. lesson. I am constantly asking, imploring the universe to keep me humble. Uh, and, oh, and the universe, you don't have, you know what? It'll happen if you really think you're all that. Yeah. Something humiliating is going to happen. Yeah. I've like tripped over air. <laughs> if I ever get a big head, I've tripped over air. Yeah. I've, I've banged my head on a door. I've, oh. oh my gosh, the universe! But it's great that you pray for that. Yeah. Because it's it's making you aware that there's this fine line where yes it's good to be successful it's good to be admired but you can never forget that we work for the universe and that we work for yes. a betterment of humanity exactly and once you do you'll get a lot of reminders and if you don't heed the reminders and you go beyond then there will be whatever consequences but people have hurt a lot of others yeah by not heeding the warnings. You and know, we don't want that. I, I worked for 15 years during the 80s, the heyday of televangelism, and in the, the 90s at a Christian radio station. And I think that was where I really learned that lesson because I saw, as the phrase goes, so many fall from grace. Yes, because, and, yeah. oh my gosh, 
then I can use this analogy, even though I'm not of the Christian faith, I'm very well versed in all religions. It's the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. And the snake says to, to Jesus, why do you want to serve God? You can you can have everything. Yeah. And he basically said, no, take a hike, snake. Yeah. But it's that. And that is what's going to happen to any person who puts themselves above mm-hmm. others as a vessel or voice of God. Yeah. And, and and I am so grateful that you brought that yeah. up because it's such a, a terrible shame. These people who who really may have started out humbly, yeah. And and, you and I have to say up. it was it was sad to watch. It truly was to watch it's Jimmy Swagger. Tragic. Yeah, it was tragic. Now I would say if you know, not placing myself in that role, but if I was to face the snake, saying you could have it all, my response would be. I already do. I have it all. And I still like get lost snake. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, then I'd say get lost snake. Um, I am here talking to you today because of thousands of people who have been a part of my life. I did not get here alone. Hillary was right. It does take a village. And in my case, it's thousands strong. I always call out one woman in particular, uh, even though, yes, my, my acting coach, Ramona, who is a dear, dear friend of mine, she's since passed away. Um, oh, I always well, wanna, she's still watching. I know. And I wanted to call her so badly when I decided to do this, this show, be a part of this show. But um, I, I, um, the woman who actually spearheaded a tra- my trajectory was a woman by the name of Margaret Pekarik, also since passed. And her advice to me, she called me up on the phone when I was working for the radio reading service back in the early 80s. She says, um, Richard, you you need to join Toastmasters. I'm a to- I was a Toastmaster. As was I. I loved the, the experience. Best training. Oh, the my best God. training. Yeah. Uh, why, why, why am I getting the the feeling, ladies and gentlemen, that I have met my gap doppelganger uh, only in female? Uh, she doesn't look a it's thing all like a soul me. Circle. She she has all her hair. I do not. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, what month are you born? June. Oh, okay. Well, you're like opposite. ended it right. Ended it right there. Uh, but uh, I just uh, you know, and I would listen, and I will tell you that one of the great lessons I learned from this show was that to listen. I was a novice. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I mean, I know how to sing. I know how to memorize notes and words. Um, But when it came to the blocking, when it came to all of the other elements of being up on that stage, I listened, not just to the director, but to everybody else who had the, the greater experience than I. And... I actually got uh, a little criticism after the first cup, uh, the first night of rehearsal in the theater, because I was shushing when it got too loud and I couldn't hear the director. So an email came out saying there was somebody who is shushing, and I wish they would realize that we're just trying to help the other people around us, and so on and so forth. So I shared that with uh, one of the other people who uh, uh, I was able to do that with. And she says, well, probably the best advice would be just to leave it alone. I says, well, if it happens again, maybe what I'll do is I'll just, I'll say, "Uh, excuse me, um, I can't hear the director for all of the other talking. 
I, I never had to do that. I never did. But that was one of the things or that... Sit right or, or go stand up and sit right in front of the director. There you go. go there like you this. go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but listening was obviously I, I do my utmost in these interviews to listen to you, the guest, because that's well, where thank the you. questions come from. Well, <laughs> I don't have a list of questions. I never have. I went to the Larry King School of Broadcasting. He never prepared. It's organic. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. Because I'm, it's Christmas time for me. I get to open a present. I get to go into your world. Now you say you're not of the Christian faith. You've already mentioned metaphysics. I consider myself a metaphysician, even though I was born and raised Catholic, which I have a, a warm spot in my heart for. I love the ritual, the tradition, and the ceremony. Oh, where do you yes, hail from? And, uh, I'm uh, Jewish. Okay. And which I also uh, love. I also love the Jewish faith. Oh my gosh, we're we're awesome. Yeah, and I and I've studied many many. Uh, we have an awesome culture and um, great food and and great mystical underpinnings that you know typically in certain environments you don't learn of that. Yeah, you are but a mystic, right? I, yes, I consider myself a mystic. I'm not a psychic, um, and I didn't really not that. I mean, I just don't happen to be a psychic, right? Um, my gifts are, um, you know, I've been told when I've taught at, uh, Christian conferences, they say, oh, those are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's like, wow, you know, um, and I'm sure many, many people have them. Um, and I, and then in the Jewish arena, there's, um, a mystical side to things. And some of my healing gifts, they have a, another explanation for them and any kind of mystical esoteric school has an explanation for why you know that certain people are just you know i'm a, a good radio frequency and that's i can't explain to someone else necessarily how to do certain things i can only speak from my experience of of occasional mediumship and precognitive dreams and and healing and and um animal telepathy and it's like okay well that's what god needs me to be able to do today mm -hmm. for this person um but um so does that explain yeah that it sort of explains me now th this is this was your upbringing through your family the jewish uh, faith yes and um yeah how, we inv were, how involved were you were you very very involved in the rituals and the ceremonies and so forth. Did you have the, uh, is it, is Seder every week? Is that what it's called? No. Um, weekly, it's called uh, Shabbat. Shabbat, and that's Shabbat. that's the Sabbath. And um, we have, uh, our calendar is a lunar calendar, and it's based a lot on um, different festivals throughout the year. And then there are um, solemn holidays uh, between the Jewish New Year and the Day of Atonement is a time when we uh, believe that God has the book of life open. And that's when, you know, it's going to be determined what your year is going to be like. Mm. Um, but, you know, I find that as I've studied different uh, traditions, that there's a lot of commonality. Um, when when you get past some of the um, 
the law and the ritual. What I love about Catholicism is a very strong acknowledgement of um, light energy and dark energy and a way of, of acknowledging and coping with it. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I, I think some of the rituals for, uh, I think some of the rituals for protection that come through the Catholic church are, are wonderful and important. And that's why, you know, I, there's, there, we don't know where everything has, has come from. Some of it I'm sure is that there are people who've been, um, you know, given these spiritual downloads and they've got pieces of this big puzzle. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, I, I actually visited Mechagoria before. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Before I took a, a, my spiritual class to Mechagoria before the war. Oh. And I firmly believe in that the um, apparitions of the blessed mother happened there mm -hmm. and she happened to have been a jewish priestess so you know she's part of my tribe too right but i really believe that there that her the visions were to warn the people of what was happening if they did not return to faith and it wasn't i mean it was such a horrible horrible thing that happened and i i took a um we took a trip through this place called mostar and I just started sobbing and I didn't know why. I mean, mm. at the time it was Yugoslavia, Yeah, you know, there was no real war that happened. And I just started sobbing. And then I found out years later that that ancient bridge was destroyed in the war. Oh, wow. And so I, somehow I had like a time slip, um, you know, of, of gr feeling the grief so, um, but I didn't understand it at the time. So, yeah, I mean, this is a very interesting world beyond so many things beyond our understanding. And what I try to do is stay very focused on what's right in front of me. Um, yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, yeah, you, you can go down too many rabbit holes. <laughs> you really can. I, uh, in working for the Christian station, of course, uh, and it's funny, too, because I remember my mother uh, saying to me while I was between high school and college, and I only went three semesters to college, she said, why don't you go uh, get a job at one of the local uh, Christian radio stations? I said, no, nah, I don't want them shoving their, their beliefs down my throat. And it turns out as I as I grew in that uh, station that actually I kind of reversed those roles a little bit. But one of the things that I always found interesting was that when I would ask a question, the answers that I got just didn't feel right. They just didn't. They made no sense. Right. And one of the most important right. was this was this. And you you kind of touched upon this when you talked about the apparition of the Virgin Mary. Um if I was to be a true follower of the Messiah, of Jesus, of the, old, of the New Testament, okay, I would not be a Christian because he was not a Christian. I would be a Jew. Mm -hmm. Now, we're talking about accuracy here. And when the word Christian was used by the Romans, it was like dropping the F-bomb. 
It was derogatory. Now, great, they turned it around and they're using it as their, their, the name of their faith. That's fine, okay. But that's not a follower. You've decided to branch off and create your own thing. You are to be a Jew. Now, if that means a Reformed Jew, okay, you're Reformed because you accept the Messiah, you know, and so forth. Whereas, if I'm correct, I may be wrong, and I'm willing to accept that. Current Judaism does not accept Jesus as the Messiah, that the Jews are still waiting. You know what's confusing for me is, in a way, the Christians are still waiting. Well, for the the, second coming, yes. Yeah, and for me, if you interpret both, Mm -hmm. because the, the teachings that I can say should be or are attributable to Jesus, you know, like the Sermon on the Mount and things like that, they're all out of Torah. I mean, they are Judaism. exactly. And, you know, we don't, because of what the expectation is for when the Mashiach or the Messiah comes, Mm -hmm. they would say he was not. However... As a mystical person, you know, how can I how can I say there wasn't something really special about him? <laughs> right. No, no, no. That absolutely, absolutely. And and for me, I see him more. Uh, uh, look, I don't know the answer to it. No. I, all I, I know is that he would be, in my opinion, very unhappy at all of the wars that have been fought in his name. Yeah against people who really love God and are walking their talk and have faith and are just following, you know, and part in in the spiritual writing book, we talk about the tolerance lesson. And, and I, I hint about it that I I don't know a lot of the answers. So I'm not going to address end days, right? I'm not going to address, you know, uh, literal interpretations of, of, um, of the new Testament you know, the Torah makes sense to me. And a lot of what Jesus was teaching was, in my opinion, moving beyond the letter of the law mm-hmm. into the spirit of the law so that the people of the time would live more fully the actual meaning of how to be a, a, a good person living in, living according to, you know, God's will for us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm not. I can't speak for all Jewish people. Um, Oh, I thought you were the spokesperson. Well, yes. Oh oh my gosh. (laughs) Funny story. My, my mother was um, honored by her synagogue. My mother's passed away. May she rest in peace. But at one point when my cousin, my um, nieces and nephews were really young. My mother was um, on honored and she was sitting on what's called the Bima. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I think that my nephew thought that she was God <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> or she was somebody like, you know, the queen of, of oh, all wow. Jewish people, yeah. you know, because she was up there with the rabbi and on the bima. Anyway, um, children see things. So, so it's amazing. It's a, so, yeah, so beautifully, so beautifully. They really, you know, do. so um, it's a question that nobody wants to answer mm-hmm. except how I would think of it and the message I would want to convey to people through my writing, through the spiritual writing book, which is 
one third spiritual. Like, I mean, it, it's permeated throughout the book, but the first third of that book is not about writing and publishing. It's about the spiritual path mm -hmm. and, and mysticism. But um, I think it's important, you know, for people to realize that this period of time since Jesus was to have walked on earth is a time when people are supposed to be better people mm -hmm. and to be more like him mm -hmm. and to live in faith and to walk the talk and emulate who he represented yeah. as, as a person, yeah. um, you know, and, and all of those, uh, and, you know, focusing on who believes what and who's saved and who's not saved and, you know, and, and all of these ways that we are, um, sort of creating division. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what he had in mind. Mm -mm. And it doesn't matter the label <laughs> either. It doesn't matter the label. It really doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. By the we way, one, to... one other sidebar of, of silliness that I came across. Um, I was looking at the book of Genesis and, of course, the creation of Adam and then the creation of Eve. Uh, and then the next thing you know, there's Cain and Abel. And there's no explanation as to how we got to 8 billion people. So I I know. <laughs> I've come to the conclusion, and I don't mean any disrespect, okay? But I say this tongue-in-cheek. I came to the conclusion that incest was God's way of procreation back then. Either I mean, that, where or else some they people come believe, from? either that, or as some people believe, we were seeded from other worlds. Uh, that is one explanation that I can. <laughs> and you know what? I it's not my territory. No, no, no. I don't question how we got here. No, I don't. All I know is that we're here, and and we're supposed to. You know, one thing about Judaism is what's called tikkun olam. We're supposed to make this world a better place than how we find it. And that is the, one of the basic tenets of Judaism. And I, I think that's also within um, other faiths and yeah. the teachings. Yeah. You know, we're, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And we need to stop fighting. Yeah. Well, and, as a Baha'i, I was for a year and a half back in the 90s. And I learned a great phrase from Baha'u'llah, the founder of that faith. And that is... If you reject one of the messengers of God, you reject them all. And if you accept one of the messengers of God, you accept them all. I love that. Yeah. And that's kind of what, in a roundabout way, because I wasn't thinking of answering that question. Um, <laughs> you know, I it's it's true. Yeah. You know, there are people who've been overshadowed with this great wisdom and and they are messengers and yeah. they're giving us pieces of this puzzle. And while we're here, we need to utilize whatever we can and be better and continue to just follow what is our particular um, message and, and mission. And share our pieces of the puzzle with others so they yes. can continue to put together their puzzle. Yes, absolutely. And vice versa. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I appreciate you putting it in, in those words. 
Um, and, you know, th this book, it, even though it seems like it's just a book about writing, mm -hmm. it's to try to guide people to fulfill that mission mm. so that they can so that they can get all the T's crossed and the I's dotted and, you know, not hold back. We are talking with Deborah Herman, and she has a book called Spiritual Writing from Inspiration to Publication, second edition. And this is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, I've I have to tell you, Deborah, Deborah Herman, author of uh, Spiritual Writing from Inspiration to uh, Publication, uh, that I can't tell you. We have to continue this conversation. Uh, this has just been so fascinating to to learn not only about you and what you're doing, but also where you're coming from uh, philosophically, as I like to put it. I consider myself to be a metaphysician. I have studied a, a, a quite a number of the, the various philosophies around the world and down through the ages. No philosophy uh, is comes out of a vacuum, regardless of what some people might think about their particular philosophy. Judaism didn't come out of a vacuum, and whatever came before it, and came before it, and came before it, and uh, it doesn't matter how ancient or new it is, if you're trying to make a difference in the world, for the better, for everyone, which is what this program is about. You know, we're trying to give people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. We're also looking for those new ways of living because the old ways don't work. Just look around you. Look at the mess that we have made of our home, uh, not just environmentally, but emotionally and spiritually and psychologically. And we can. Someone made this comment especially when it came to alternative forms of energy. And when I think of alternative forms of energy, I don't just think of uh, uh, the sun and the wind and, and water, hydroelectrics. I think about my energy, okay? Um, and they made the comment primarily in regards to World War II that America, when, World War, when we got into the war, we turned it around so that our manufacturing plants could support that this endeavor. Whether you liked it or not, whether you're in favor of it or not, we as a people, we did that. We can do that again to help to find those new ways of living, to find those alternative forms of energy for ourselves, regain our personal power, this is kind of what you're talking about, too. Through the writing, we do that. We release that stuff. And uh, through the drawings, like what you and I both do, and, and whatever outer expression that we choose, we're doing that. We're, we're, we're hopefully making it a better world. And I want to thank you so much for sharing your side, your puzzle pieces, uh, for allowing me to open this Christmas present <laughs> you and your world. Thank you. Uh, it's a pleasure. And uh, we'll, we will continue this at some point. I do have three final questions, though. Thank you. Three did questions. Did you notice that it got darker here? I did notice that. <laughs> I'm assuming wait. either clouds or... <laughs> it's getting late. It's getting late there. Um, no, it's okay. As long as you can still see me. I can still see you with the blue hue, which is actually very appropriate. Very yes. apropos for this program. 
Um, matter of fact, that was what the director would say in our circle before each performance. He would have us in a meditation holding hands and, and now let us bathe ourselves with the blue light and the blue light and so on and so on, the blue light. I'm going, wow, this guy is really, he's not just a director, you know, this is very cool. I yeah. like that. Anyway, uh, I do have these three questions that we've been asking for the last 15 years or so uh, that I'll ask you. But before I do, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world as we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices. To help make your dreams come true, we are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Oh, and don't forget the 9 a.m. Wednesday special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, many other locations as well. We're on YouTube where you can see Deborah's blue fingernails as well as the blue <laughs> hue, the blue light that she has protected herself with as we've worked towards uh, this portion of the program. And uh, we also ask that if you can support us financially, we would be so great, gratefully appreciative. We are, actually, because I say thank you, thank you, thank you to those who have helped and to those who will help. Thank you, thank you, thank you. PayPal. It's there for your security as well as ours. Just put my email address in, richard at richarddugan.com. And also, please, during this decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, spend that time in that quiet, still, calm, peaceful place. Listen to and follow the promptings of that still, small voice. Sometimes it won't prompt you to do anything but listen, it's there to give you inspiration and encouragement, insight, uh, maybe just comfort uh, during that time. We hope that you will do that. And uh, yeah, please take that time. With all of that being said, the first of my three questions are, who is Deborah Herman? Oh, you, you have another hour? Sure. No, <laughs> I, I give you all the time in the world. No, I, I think that because we'll be in the complete darkness soon. Um, <laughs> I, who am I? I have yet to completely discover that. Um, it's a, and I think that's part of the path is to always get to know who you are each day and who you will become. And it's, it's, I'm at a point of discovery uh, and it's exciting. You know, my children are grown and, and doing their thing. And um, so this is also a time of my own creativity. And I, I learn more about who I am and, and why I'm here as I continue to do more projects and meet more people and find doppelgangers and, um, so that's who I am. Um, and we will discover more together. What is your life's purpose? To, I would say to serve, uh, my, my first central purpose is always to serve God. Um, my concept, not telling people what to believe, um, but in a way that will help raise the vibration um, on our planet and to help people realize 
see themselves through God's eyes, that we are loved unconditionally, that we are worthy, we are worthwhile. And, you know, I'm hoping that people will start stop judging themselves so harshly mm. and feeling so much shame um, and to realize what miracles we all are. So, uh, and if I do it through my writing or my drawing or my speaking, um, then that's just a, a, a blessing and a tool, but it's also really to, to share love. Final question. I hope you get the movie reference. What was your best day? Hmm. I can only answer that with today. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for being with us here on the program. We will get together again and continue this conversation because um, I think there's a whole lot more to say. Well, thank you again. And um, if people, the book is available everywhere at this point. And if it's not available in a, a local bookstore, please ask them for it. Mm -hmm. um, and we also have a website, solaodysseybooks.com. Um, Odyssey is spelled O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. Most okay. people say, well, how do you spell Odyssey? Um, and it's a journey. Mm -hmm. So thank you. And uh, thank you for allowing me to take this journey with you. Absolutely. Soulodysseybooks.com. We will be linked to that website so that people can find out more about you, the books that you have written, uh, including... Uh, spiritual writing from uh, inspiration to publication. And uh, one of these days, mine will be published, I know, and it'll be in its right divine timing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just know that. Yeah. Not a question. Thank and you I, again. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal and Jeanette, I'm still listening. <laughs>